I move too much. Good morning. Good to see some familiar faces here, the regulars and those that have come back. And so it's good. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 14. Been doing a series just reading, and it's kind of good when you know your pastor's reading the Bible. But um, every other year, basically, I try to read through the Bible, and I've never done this before. I've read the Bible, obviously, but um, I will always mark things that stick out to me, and I don't read the Bible for my devotion time to get stuff to do sermons on, but I always mark things that, that speak to me. And so what I've been doing this year is every week's worth of reading, I'll sit there and the top thing I've marked, where I'm doing a sermon on that. And so that's why we've kind of been going all over in the Bible, uh, which is good. And so we're in Joshua chapter 14, and as we look at Memorial Day, and the title of this sermon is A Wholehearted Memorial. And uh, the points will be spelled out with the word whole, uh, not H-O-L-E, but W-H-O-L-E, all right? And I think I've got all the points this week. So anyway, so you should be excited about that. But um, when I think about people doing stuff half-hearted or wholehearted, not trying to disp- uh, the national anthem, you know. Um, now, around here when I see it happen, at local things, I see whether young or old seem to be very respectful of that. But even understanding, and I still don't understand all of the uh, proper things. You know, veterans have a certain way when the national anthem is. That people. freedom to be wrong because people died for it. We have the freedom to share our own uh, views, and I have the freedom to be here freely and share the gospel because of men and women that have fought for that and kept that. And so when I think of something half-hearted or wholehearted, I think you can see that as an example in how people treat the national anthem. So how does that commitment, though, translate when it comes to God? Because I'm going to say the American church is not even half-hearted. And you look at the statistics, it's all over the map on what people are believing, what they're doing, how they're attending. Again, we're saved by God's grace. But what do you do with Hebrews where I know the church is not the building, it's the people. But he says, do not forsake the assembling yourselves together. Even more as you see the day approaching. I've mentioned this before, not trying to harp on it. But a solid statistic that's coming out of COVID is 20% 20 of people that have left your church are not coming back, but a lot of them were on their way out. This just kind of helped with that. Um, Why am I saying that? God created the church. I'm not talking about Bass Chapel. I'm talking about the church, God's people. And he created us to need each other. And and it's not just about attendance. I'm talking about following Christ. We're seeing either a half-hearted commitment or a wholehearted commitment. And, we need, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. And we struggle to be whole, wholly committed to God in these difficult times. I mean, let's just look at nature. This is not a political thing, guys. Everybody, I'm not talking about COVID, but the thing that's come out is follow the science. Had this discussion today. Well, let's follow the science on nature. In nature, there's only two genders, and none of the animals are confused. And whether, we're not talking the Bible. God, God's truth is always proved in nature. 
You want to tell me there's no gravity, you go on the roof and you be the first one to jump off and then tell me there's no gravity. You see what I'm saying? Not trying to be mean. That is a base if we're following science. She's an example. But in our society, that is one, I'm not trying to harp on one thing, but that is one example where people and Christians are struggling with, well, I'm going to half-heartedly believe God's word. I didn't say hit anybody over the head with it, but either, that's on my iPad because that's what I've got to use because of my hand. We won't get into that, okay? But I got the Bible here. You got your Bible. But either we're going to believe God's word or seriously, it's Memorial Day weekend. I'm tired. Love everybody here, but let's go home. But I don't believe that. And I don't think the majority of you believe that. But one way or another, there's something in that word that all of us are like, really? Do I really have to stand there, God? Half-hearted or whole-hearted? I want you to think about what God wants. And you make a choice to be half-hearted on some things, me too, or whole-hearted. But the action step I want to leave you with, the thing that you can take and try to work on, is be wholeheartedly committed to Christ. And be wholeheartedly committed to Christ. And we see this with the example of Caleb. Um, last week we talked about Moses, and it's like Moses had the worst congregation. They were a bunch of whiners, 30 years in the wilderness, and it wasn't that far to the promised land, and he had to wait till they all died. Some people said some churches, all they need to be better is just a few good funerals. I didn't say it here, but I've heard that before, okay? Um, but here Moses is having to wait 40 years for everybody to die out that was being difficult. I was going to use another term, but I don't cuss and there's children present. But anyway, so you got the children of Israel. They're getting ready to enter the promised land. I'm giving you the scene of what happens with Caleb in the section in Joshua 14, starting with verse 6. You got, they're getting ready to enter the promised land. They're dividing up the, uh, their inheritance. They've fought and they've got this all done. It's been 40 years. It's about seven years they're fighting to get it all done. And so Joshua is dividing the land according to what God wants. figure out most of you know already what this is about but don't do a spoiler alert but now Caleb is now 85 years old he's waited 47 years of those 85 so he's waited over ha half his life to enter something so that's a challenge to be wholeheartedly committed to God when he told you something back then we're going to get into what made it worse why did he have to wait why was he still alive Caleb was going into the promised land when he, uh, 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 more, uh, your first one, Caleb, your first fill, and this is your W, get ready. Caleb going into the or Christ, that's even better because he's God too, okay? That's one God, right? But he wholeheartedly followed God. Caleb is our example. So I want you to look at that. Now we know Moses didn't enter the promised land, but Moses is in heaven, and we talked about God's grace and God's discipline, but we're going to see somebody that wholeheartedly followed God in his life. So here we are in Joshua 14, starting in verse 6. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jebeth the Kizanite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me into K from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again, as was in my heart. 
But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. Now Caleb is an outsider. He is now part of, the, uh, of Israel, but you see from his heritage there that he wasn't an original Jew, but he was brought in. So that's awesome that God's grace, we can all be saved, and through God's, the Holy Spirit, we can all be wholeheartedly committed. And Caleb's name means all heart. Interesting. And despite all the opposition, he said what was on his heart. Now, I don't know about you, but even over the years, I've had to learn to speak and to speak. If I keep my mouth shut. But Caleb, there are times, guys, we need to discern when to speak and when not to speak. That was a time when Caleb needed to speak what was on his heart, the truth. And so many times we're not hearing that. Um, times through his life, Caleb, he had to wholeheartedly follow God. So your next fill-in, have faith in God. See, you wholeheartedly follow God, Christ, but you've got to have faith in Christ. And Hebrews says this, it's impossible to please God unless we believe that he is God and a reward to those that diligently seek him. You, I've said it before, trusted that the ceiling wasn't going to fall down and your chairs weren't going to collapse. You walked in and you plopped down. But yet when it comes to God, uh, I don't know. Really? Because these people are kind of mad and I might physically get hurt if I say that. Welcome to my world. All right? But notice this. It, uh, it wasn't ever easy. Flashback to 47 years ago. It's time for them to go in. He sent in 12 spies. Ten of them come back with a bad report. And only Caleb and Joshua said, let's go. God said we could take it. And we can do this. And they're getting ready to stone Caleb and Joshua and Moses and Aaron. And God intervened. And he took out all those people that opposed him. And then the rest that wanted to go along with them, we're going to... Part of being wholeheartedly committed to God means to only focus on God. Why have I learned 1 Corinthians 2.2, for I've decided to concentrate on Christ Jesus and, and his death on the cross. Why have I had to earn, learn Isaiah 26.3? He will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him. And Galatians 1.10, I've got to go back and relearn it, but it talks about... Am I basically a, peop a people pleaser or am I God pleaser? If I was still trying to please man, I could not be a servant of God. Love everybody here, but you can hold me accountable if it's between you and God. You. If it's between somebody else, family, friends, whatever, and God, you need to go with God. This is a time, if you're ready to get killed... You might change your mind, but yet in America, here Christians are persecuted more than any time of our existence. And they are standing for their faith, but somebody thinks we're this or that or talks down and we clam up. Shame on us. Because we have brothers and sisters that have died for the faith that, that you could have your Bible here today. William Tyndall. We need to understand that. And we need to either go wholeheartedly, and, and we're so worried, yeah, I don't want to die today, okay? But if we really believe his word, go with God. Only focus on Christ. 
He had passed the test. He had followed God wholeheartedly. So it got easier, right? Because we go back there and we know that the people that opposed, they were swallowed up and destroyed. And the rest of them got punished. So, oh, we all think, well, if I follow God, it's going to get easier. Hmm. I can't say that. I know God is good. Go back to verses 8 and 10. But my brothers who went up, went up with me made the heart of the people melt, just, yet I wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. And Moses swore on the day, saying, trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said these 45 years, the time the Lord to Moses, and, and Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am this day 80 years old. Others sinned, and others followed half-heartedly, and yet, and others suffered, but Caleb followed wholeheartedly, and he was saved. And then you see in verse 9 that God swears the reward for him. But, verse 10, he had to wait 40 years. Okay, let's just get real. I need Jesus every day, and I feel like the older I get, the more I need him to... Because he's getting closer to those things I've ignored. As you get closer to God, he's saying, you know, I've helped you here. I can help you with your attitude here. And all these things. So let's, let's think about this for a minute. You did the right thing. This never happened to us. But you suffer because other people didn't. I mean, we need to understand, this is what gets me. How can a loving God? I want you to understand something. A loving God did not make you a robot. And so that means you have free will to do the right thing or the wrong thing. And guess what? The person, the people around you have the free will to do the right thing or the wrong thing. And so we can suffer because somebody else did the wrong thing. So you did the right thing. Caleb did the right thing. He's going to inherit the land. And he has to walk around the desert with whining, complaining people and watching them die. I wonder if he kept a record. Okay, there's this many hundred people here. Oh, there's another one dropped. He's watching those obituaries every day, you know. Oh, they're off there. We're getting closer. I'm getting to my land. <laughs> I'm getting to that promise. I don't think he did, okay? But, guys, in my flesh, I'd be like, I don't like you. I don't like you people for me having to be, suffer because of what you did. It's not nice, guys, but here's the deal. We have the promise of heaven. And it goes back to the points that we shared that you've got to focus on Christ. You've got to have faith in Christ. And part of all, what if Christ had focused on the fact on the cross, I'm doing the Father's will? What if he didn't focus on that? We'd all be zapped. Because he could have just said, he, I don't even think he had to say anything. He wouldn't do anything. Bam, it's all over. So if Christ endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he has had victory in setting down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is this to Caleb? I'm like this all the time. Why am I suffering? Because of somebody else's bad decisions. So he had to spend 40 years suffering for other sins. Walking. Walk, their shoes didn't wear out. They were eating manna. Finding all sorts of recipes for manna. Okay, manna cakes, manna, whatever. Okay, uh, walking, waiting, watching. And, and I want you to understand this root of bitterness. I still have... We were doing some marriage counseling a long time ago, and, and it showed a picture of a tree that was huge, just really tall, and it's somewhere in Asia. 
And what happens is this tree grows underground for years. Nothing comes up. And it, 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 it gets deep roots. And then when it sprouts up, I literally think, I don't think I am exaggerating, I need to look it up, that it grows an inch a day. But for years it's underground, growing. Let's talk about roots of bitterness. Really? I'm not really mad about that. And yet we talk about it. It's like just a little paragraph that gives you. Don't you stop talking bad about behind their back and start talking loving things about it? Really? Thank you, God, for showing me that. I'm not trying to be, you know what I'm saying? But that root of bitterness. Oh, I'm not mad. But what are you saying when no one's around? What are you feeling? And that could have been Caleb. You're watching these people, and they still complain, and God's zapping them out one way or another, and you didn't do anything wrong. Focus. Focus on God. Focus on his love and on his grace. So your, your next feeling, being wholeheartedly committed to Christ, is all about when you look at Christ and not your difficulties. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. You need to. And you might say, well, you're just trying to, you know, make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. All right? No. When it's bad, it's bad. But when, all, when it gets down to nothing, you have Jesus, and you know this isn't going to end like this. You've got something to be thankful for. So you need to look to Christ. You need to look at him. Look at verse 11. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength is now my strength was then for war and for going and coming. This has not hit me spiritually. Had not abated. So he Call you out. All right. That was three days ago. I looked at my, I, don't, I hate those health apps, sorry. I, I try to shut them off. It's just on there because it's the government monitoring me. Okay, but between parking and chairs for that wedding and the dancing movements, I had done 10 miles that day, okay? Well, I'm feeling about nine of those miles still today, and I know Alan is, okay? Well, you need to talk. I knew there was enough deacons that, I knew there was enough deacons left the wedding early, and that stayed, that if I got church, I everybody. Okay, but anyway, but here's the deal. I don't feel like Moses, and I don't feel like Caleb. I could probably go do something, but I'm, it's going to take me a while, and thank you for leaving ibuprofen. All right, but so he's 85 years old. He's still as strong as he was then. He's been waiting 47 years. He's been watching and 40 of them in the wilderness, and then he's got seven that are going to be war conquering the land. Why did he have to wait? Well, he had to wait now because there was a new leader, and they still needed to, he still needed to accept the place and position that he was put in. Him and Joshua were essentially equals in a, in a way. They were the only ones that spoke up between all those 12 spies. And so he could have come up to Joshua and said, look, we are equals here. You just give this to me. And that's the way we do sometimes in our Christianity and our age. Well, I've arrived. Really? To where? Because the way I understand it, the Christian walk is a walk 
It doesn't matter how long you're a Christian or how old you are, you still got to follow God. But Caleb could have been like, you owe this to me, which God had promised it to him. But now Joshua is the leader. Caleb didn't want to be the leader, but he had clout, and he still had to wait until they were finished winning the land. He could have said, I'm not fighting with you all. I know what happened. But so many times we want to cut short what God's trying to show us. And so your next fill and your last one, being wholeheartedly committed to Christ means to endeavor to follow regardless our position. Pastors kind of struggle with that. You know, sometimes. I, you know, you're going to let us go to the convention and, and I, what's kind of funny, I know I don't feel I'm a typical pastor, or, but what's interesting, I'm not trying to down my fellow whatever, but what's interesting, I go to these conventions and I see a lot of them going around like strutting turkeys. I'm something, look at me, you know. How many are you running? Uh, let's ask the question, how many are you running off? Okay, <laughs> you know, uh, but maybe a lot after today. But anyway, but here's the, here's the deal. You know, so many times it's like, or... When a pastor comes into a church, it's like either the church has been hurt or the pastor's been hurt, and it's this big struggle on who's, who's the boss. Guess what? Who's the boss? Jesus. And there are elders, and there are deacons, and there's the congregation, and they all have a part in learning and discerning and carrying out God's will. But so many times in the Christian life, it's like, I'm not doing that. I've done this for years. Really? Really? What? I understand according to Acts chapter 6 what my position is and according to Acts chapter 6 why the deacons came about. It's not that I'm going to pick up chairs all the time, but if I need to help with chairs, I help with chairs. And here's the deal. A lot of us in our Christian walk will be like, I did that for so many years, I'm done with that. Well, God may have changed that. But whatever God puts in front of you, it doesn't matter the position. Endeavor to faithfully, wholeheartedly follow. But so many times, I'm not doing that. And because he followed God with his whole heart and with his whole life, he didn't want to do it halfway. He wanted to do it all the way. Look at 12. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on the day how that Achan was there and with great fortified cities, and it may be the Lord, and, and it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. At the beginning of all this COVID, we did a series on fear, and I wanted you to learn the scripture, 2 Timothy 4, 7. God has not given us a spirit of, of, of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So you have an 85-year-old man saying, give me the hard stuff. And I see most of us shrinking in the carpet, me included. I want to go out like Elijah. You should go out like Elijah. I'm not, I'm not that I want a chariot to come, but we need to go out in a blaze for God, not burn out. And I don't mean as a showboat, but I mean go for it. And that's what Caleb, why was he saying? Because I No, because look at what he believed 47 years ago. I can do it. Still believe it wholeheartedly now. Where are you at? Well, I don't shape. Well, I'm looking for revival in the Christians. I put a circle around yourself and start with you. Stand 
I'm not trying to be a naysayer, but the Bible is clear. It's going to get worse and it's going to wind down. So you should have the urgency to wholeheartedly follow God so they can, as a memorial to God so they can see who God is, where God's at. You're not God, but you have the Holy Spirit in you. And if they're seeing half-hearted, you look at statistics, how they can't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, I wouldn't call that person a Christian. Salt and light. Look at verses, uh, and so he, he went back to the start. He, he still wanted God's best. Look at the result, verse 13. Then Joshua blessed him and, and gave to Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephthah, for an inheritance. Of Caleb, the son of Jephthah, the Kizanite, to this day, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Yeah. The grace and the land was at rest from war. I had the land, I'm not going to go fight for it. I had the land, give me the easy retirement section. No, I want God's best. Just go for it. He had the blessing of God, he had the inheritance of God, and guess what it resulted in? The rest of God. And so, if you want to turn to this, let's go to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 7, I think they probably have it up there. You may say that, the great, that, that a, a great wholehearted commitment to God, but I can't, that's not me. You're right, you can't. I can't. I feel the older I get, the more I just want to be mean. You know, you say, Pastor, well, I'm just saying, God's getting to the core. And I ask the question, did I just learn to act right, or did it get in my heart, Lord? And I want it to get in my heart. And so if he's going to get in your heart, he's going to point those things. Just learn to act right. You can't, see, you can't save yourself. You, you have to admit that you need Christ. You can't live it without Christ. So look at 1 Peter chapter 1. We have here. Blessed be the God... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living a hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is how we can be one with God. This is how we can walk wholeheartedly with God by what we talk to, giving our heart to Jesus. Four, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power is being guarded through faith, we talked about faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. We're Caleb. You receive Christ. Our inheritance is not here. We need to follow him wholeheartedly regardless of what's going on in our lives. And then look at verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I would take that scripture, and whatever you're going through, you need to chew on that. You're going to be wholehearted like Caleb? Because the world does not need to see half-hearted Christians because I think that's an oxymoron like Jim, jumbo shrimp. You know? Now that's something and someone that you can wholeheartedly be committed to, you, committed to because they're committed to you. And just like the men and women that have committed their lives literally so we could be here today. 
so we could stand here today. And it's even more on what Christians to, should do and what Christ is doing. So what I have a question for you today in this season, how much you following God? Halfway? When we have this time of invitation, I want you to ask God to search you and say, is there an area that I'm not following you wholeheartedly because let's just be honest, I, it would create some problems? Go for it. Take the hill country. Follow God wholeheartedly. As we stand on our feet in this time of invitation, where are you at? You can come and talk to me or talk to me afterwards, but how much of your commitment is to God in all that you do? Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time to be here. I pray that you look at our lives and that we would give everything, lay everything on the table and be wholeheartedly committed to you. In your name, Jesus, amen.